Part three of Chirp the Second of The Cricket on the Hearth by Charles Dickens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Bertha, said Caleb softly, what has happened? How changed you are, my darling, in a few hours since this morning. You silent and dull all day. What is it? Tell me. Oh, father, father cried the blind girl bursting into tears oh my hard hard fate caleb drew his hand across his eyes before he answered her but think how cheerful and how happy you have been bertha how good and how much loved by many people that strikes me to the heart dear father always so mindful of me always so kind to me caleb was very much perplexed to understand her to be to be blind bertha my poor dear he faltered is a great affliction but i have never felt it cried the blind girl i have never felt it in its fullness never i have sometimes wished that i could see you or could see him only once dear father only for one little minute that i might know what it is i treasure up she laid her hands upon her breast and hold here that i might be sure i have it right and sometimes but then i was a child i have wept in my prayers at night to think that when your images ascended from my heart to heaven they might not be the true resemblance of yourselves but i have never had these feelings long they have passed away and left me tranquil and contented and they will again said caleb but father oh my good gentle father bear with me if i am wicked said the blind girl this is not the sorrow that so weighs me down her father could not choose but let his moist eyes overflow she was so earnest and pathetic but he did not understand her yet bring her to me said bertha i cannot hold it closed and shut within myself bring her to me father she knew he hesitated and said may bring may may heard the mention of her name and coming quietly towards her touched her on the arm the blind girl turned immediately and held her by both hands look into my face dear heart sweetheart said bertha read it with your beautiful eyes and tell me if the truth is written on it dear bertha yes the blind girl still upturning the blank sightless face down which the tears were coursing fast addressed her in these words there is not in my soul a wish or thought that is not for your good bright may there is not in my soul a grateful recollection stronger than the deep remembrance which is stored there of the many many times when in the full pride of sight and beauty you have had consideration for blind bertha even when we two were children or when bertha was as much a child as ever blindness can be every blessing on your head 
light upon your happy course not the less my dear may and she drew towards her in a closer grasp not the less my bird because to-day the knowledge that you are to be his wife has wrung my heart almost to breaking father may mary oh forgive me that it is so for the sake of all he has done to relieve the weariness of my dark life and for the sake of the belief you have in me when i call heaven to witness that i could not wish him married to a wife more worthy of his goodness while speaking she had released may fielding's hands and clasped her garments in an attitude of mingled supplication and love sinking lower and lower down as she proceeded in her strange confession she dropped at last at the feet of her friend and hid her blind face in the folds of her dress great power exclaimed her father smitten at one blow with the truth have i deceived her from her cradle but to break her heart at last it was well for all of them that dot that beaming useful busy little dot for such she was whatever fault she had however you may learn to hate her in good time it was well for all of them i say that she was there or where this would have ended it were hard to tell but dot recovering her self-possession interposed before may could reply or caleb say another word come come dear bertha come away with me give her your arm may so how composed she is you see already and how good it is of her to mind us said the cheery little woman kissing her upon the forehead come away dear bertha come and here's her good father will come with her won't you caleb to be sure well well she was a noble little dot in such things and it must have been an obdurate nature that could have withstood her influence when she had got poor caleb and his bertha away that they might comfort and console each other as she knew they only could she presently came bouncing back the saying is as fresh as any daisy i say fresher to mount guard over that bridling little piece of consequence in the cap and gloves and prevent the dear old creature from making discoveries so bring me the precious baby tilly said she drawing a chair to the fire and while i have it in my lap here's mrs fielding tilly will tell me all about the management of babies and put me right in twenty points where i'm as wrong as can be won't you mrs fielding not even the welsh giant who according to the popular expression was so slow as to perform a fatal surgical operation upon himself in emulation of a juggling trick achieved by his arch-enemy at breakfast-time not even he fell half so readily into the snare prepared for him as the old lady into this artful pitfall the fact of tackleton having walked out and furthermore of two or three people having been talking together at a distance for two minutes leaving her to her own resources was quite enough to have put her on her dignity and the bewailment of that mysterious convulsion in the indigo trade for four-and-twenty hours 
but this becoming deference to her experience on the part of the young mother was so irresistible that after a short affectation of humility she began to enlighten her with the best grace in the world and sitting bolt upright before the wicked dot she did in half an hour deliver more infallible domestic recipes and precepts than would if acted on have utterly destroyed and done up that young peerybingle though he had been an infant samson to change the theme dot did a little needlework she carried the contents of a whole work-box in her pocket however she contrived it i don't know then did a little nursing then a little more needlework then had a little whispering chat with may while the old lady dozed and so in little bits of bustle which was quite her manner always found it a very short afternoon then as it grew dark and as it was a solemn part of this institution of the picnic that she should perform all bertha's household tasks she trimmed the fire and swept the hearth and set the tea-board out and drew the curtain and lighted a candle then she played an air or two on a rude kind of harp which caleb had contrived for bertha and played them very well for nature had made her delicate little ear as choice a one for music as it would have been for jewels if she had had any to wear by this time it was the established hour for having tea and tackleton came back again to share the meal and spend the evening caleb and bertha had returned some time before and caleb had sat down to his afternoon's work but he couldn't settle to it poor fellow being anxious and remorseful for his daughter it was touching to see him sitting idle on his working-stool regarding her so wistfully and always saying in his face have i deceived her from her cradle but to break her heart when it was night and tea was done and dot had nothing more to do in washing up the cups and saucers in a word for i must come to it and there is no use in putting it off when the time drew nigh for expecting the carrier's return in every sound of distant wheels her manner changed again her colour came and went and she was very restless not as good wives are when listening for their husbands no 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 it was another sort of restlessness from that wheels heard a horse's feet the barking of a dog the gradual approach of all the sounds the scratching paw of boxer at the door whose step is that cried bertha starting up whose step returned the carrier standing in the portal with his brown face ruddy as a winter berry from the keen night air why mine the other step said bertha the man's tread behind you she is not to be deceived observed the carrier laughing come along sir you'll be welcome never fear he spoke in a loud tone and as he spoke the deaf old gentleman entered he's not so much a stranger that you haven't seen him once caleb said the carrier you'll give him house-room till we go oh surely john and take it as an honour he's the best company on earth to talk secrets in said john 
i have reasonable good lungs but he tries em i can tell you sit down sir all friends here and glad to see you when he had imparted this assurance in a voice that amply corroborated what he had said about his lungs he added in his natural tone a chair in the chimney-corner and leave to sit quite silent and look pleasantly about him is all he cares for he's easily pleased bertha had been listening intently she called caleb to her side when he had set the chair and asked him in a low voice to describe their visitor when he had done so truly now with scrupulous fidelity she moved for the first time since he had come in and sighed and seemed to have no further interest concerning him the carrier was in high spirits good fellow that he was and fonder of his little wife than ever a clumsy dot she was this afternoon he said encircling her with his rough arm as she stood removed from the rest and yet i like her somehow see yonder dot he pointed to the old man she looked down i think she trembled he's ha 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 he's full of admiration for you said the carrier talked of nothing else the whole way here why he's a brave old boy i like him for it i wish he had had a better subject john she said with an uneasy glance about the room at tackleton especially a better subject cried the jovial john there's no such thing come off with the greatcoat off with the thick shawl off with the heavy wrappers and a cosy half-hour by the fire my humble service mistress a game at cribbage you and i that's hearty the cards and board dot and a glass of beer here if there's any left small wife his challenge was addressed to the old lady who accepting it with gracious readiness they were soon engaged upon the game at first the carrier looked about him sometimes with a smile or now and then called dot to peep over his shoulder at his hand and advise him on some knotty point but his adversary being a rigid disciplinarian and subject to an occasional weakness in respect of pegging more than she was entitled to required such vigilance on his part as left him neither eyes nor ears to spare thus his whole attention gradually became absorbed upon the cards and he thought of nothing else until a hand upon his shoulder restored him to a consciousness of tackleton i am sorry to disturb you but a word directly i'm going to deal returned the carrier it's a crisis it is said tackleton come here man there was that in his pale face which made the other rise immediately and ask him in a hurry what the matter was hush john peerybingle said tackleton i am sorry for this i am indeed i have been afraid of it i have suspected it from the first what is it asked the carrier with a frightened aspect hush i'll show you if you'll come with me the carrier accompanied him without another word they went across a yard where the stars were shining and by a little side door into tackleton's own counting-house where there was a glass window commanding the ware-room which was closed for the night 
there was no light in the counting-house itself but there were lamps in the long narrow ware-room and consequently the window was bright a moment said tackleton can you bear to look through that window do you think why not returned the carrier a moment more said tackleton don't commit any violence it's of no use it's dangerous too you're a strong-made man and you might do murder before you know it the carrier looked him in the face and recoiled a step as if he had been struck in one stride he was at the window and he saw oh shadow on the hearth oh truthful cricket oh perfidious wife he saw her with the old man old no longer but erect and gallant bearing in his hand the false white hair that had won his way into their desolate and miserable home he saw her listening to him as he bent his head to whisper in her ear and suffering him to clasp her round the waist as they moved slowly down the dim wooden gallery towards the door by which they had entered it he saw them stop and saw her turn to have the face the face he loved so so presented to his view and saw her with her own hands adjust the lie upon his head laughing as she did it at his unsuspicious nature he clenched his strong right hand at first as if it would have beaten down a lion but opening it immediately again he spread it out before the eyes of tackleton for he was tender of her even then and so as they passed out fell down upon a desk and was as weak as any infant he was wrapped up to the chin and busy with his horse and parcels when she came into the room prepared for going home now john dear good night may good-night bertha could she kiss them could she be blithe and cheerful in her parting could she venture to reveal her face to them without a blush yes tackleton observed her closely and she did all this tilly was hushing the baby and she crossed and recrossed tackleton a dozen times repeating drowsily did the knowledge that it was to be its wife's then wring its heart's almost to breaking and did its father's deceive it from its cradles but to break its heart's at last now tilly give me the baby good-night mr tackleton where's john for goodness sake he's going to walk beside the horse's head said tackleton who helped her to her seat my dear john walk to-night the muffled figure of her husband made a hasty sign in the affirmative and the false stranger and the little nurse being in their places the old horse moved off boxer the unconscious boxer running on before running back running round and round the cart and barking as triumphantly and merrily as ever when tackleton had gone off likewise escorting may and her mother home poor caleb sat down by the fire beside his daughter anxious and remorseful at the core 
and still saying in his wistful contemplation of her, Have I deceived her from her cradle, but to break her heart at last? The toys that had been set in motion for the baby had all stopped and run down long ago. In the faint light and silence, the imperturbably calm dolls, the agitated rocking-horses with distended eyes and nostrils, the old gentlemen at the street doors standing half doubled up upon their failing knees and ankles, the wry-faced nutcrackers, the very beasts upon their way into the ark in twos, like a boarding-school out walking, might have been imagined to be stricken motionless with fantastic wonder at Dot being false or Tackleton beloved under any combination of circumstances. End of chirp the second.